Hello and welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Simon. And on this episode we're diving into Smart House. So welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast where it's always 10.30 at night so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard. Move upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Smart House. So, just before we move into more of the details, what do you remember about Smart House? I remember a lot about Smart House, and that simply is because when I'm cleaning the house on a Sunday, every other Sunday I have this agreement with my wife, I will sometimes listen (laughs) to the audio of it. on my headphones and just listen to the film while I'm like hoovering and things. Wow. Because it's kind of like a safety thing for me. Okay. Like I do this with quite, with quite a lot of films. I mean a lot of films I can understand but why Smart House in particular? Is it so, because you think you're I'm going to ruin it a little bit, you're Pat <laughs> when you're cleaning the house. <laughs> Do you mean on my personal applied technology? Absolutely. Which makes no sense. <laughs> no, I there's a there's a few films that I can say that I listen to the audio of. Things like Gone in Sixty Seconds, Con Air, Face Off, Smart House. And I, I don't know why, but there's films that I've like seen so many times that even though I'm listening to it while doing other mundane tasks, I can like picture the, the film in my head. So it's like I'm watching it without watching it. Okay. It's a very odd thing, and I feel very vulnerable sharing this with you, the way you're looking at me. Three Nicolas Cage films. <laughs> and Smart House. There's more. I feel like this needs a lot more explanation than what you're letting us in for. Okay, so have you, do you have Plex? Have you heard of Plex? No. All right, so Plex is a media server that you can basically use for your own library for your of your films and TV shows, and then you can make it like your own personal Netflix, right? But the app on uh, on, the, on your smartphone, you can play the film while your phone is locked, and it will play the audio. So I will have my headphones on, doing like hoovering or washing up or... We have a dishwasher, I don't know what I said. You, you know, things, <laughs> yeah. right? And so I have films that I do this with. So I'm just getting it up on my phone so I can show you the the films that I have synced that like mean save so I can do this with. So I've got well, I'll read them to you. Okay. I have the Three Ninjas. Of course. The Forty Year Old Virgin. Great. Fifty First Dates. Accepted. You know accepted. Justin Long. Uh, Ace Ventura, Airheads, Anchorman, Anger Management, The Animal, a lot of Adam Sandler on here. Armageddon, <laughs> which is an odd one to listen to. The yeah. world like Bowfinger, Mighty Ducks 2, Finders Fee, Good Burger, so on and so forth. And then somewhere in here, there it is. Smart, Smart House. Wow. So I remember a lot. When I first watched Smart House was probably when I was a child. Came out in 99, so we were, how old, 12? Mm-hmm. The main bit that I remember is the the arm sort of coming out of the house and picking up the newspaper and bits. I, I might not have even seen it all of the way through, and then I sort of remembered that part many years ago and then found it on DVD somehow. And then it's been 
in my audio cleaning files ever since. Fantastic. Well, it's, it's actually the first time, not only had I ever watched it, but ever heard of it. I'd never heard of this film until you said, right, this is what we're going to go and watch. Do you feel robbed of all of the times? My, my childhood and like pre-teen years robbed. I should have had this film in my life. How many hours you could have been listening to this while cleaning? <laughs> just don't clean. Just, just, just don't. Now you have to deal with it. So uh, I tried to do as much digging into this film as possible when I was looking into it and trying to find out kind of who's in it, what it's about, and kind of who made it and how much it it grossed and this, that and the other. And it being a, a big Disney film, so Disney film made for TV, you don't get any budgetary information. So I couldn't find out how much it cost them to make it and how much they made from it. So because it went probably straight to the Disney Channel and stuff like that, they don't really release that information. So that was quite a shock, really. I was quite surprised by that. Can I just ask, Did you were you a fan of the Disney Channel when you were a kid? Like, did you watch Disney Channel movies? Did you have Disney Channel? No, I didn't I didn't actually have the channel because it was on either Sky or, what we, I suppose, what we call cable. Like NTL, yeah, maybe. NTL, yeah, or something like that, which I didn't have when I was, when I was younger. And we got Sky, but then didn't have the channels because it was always so expensive and so on, all of that. So my experience of that when I was younger, is actually not, not really there, because I'd watch it when I come around to yours, or something like that, but not really for any length of time. But watching it, you kind of, you get that Disney vibe, and there's there's all sorts of bits thrown in, isn't there? Like, there's Mickey's in there at one point, and there's other other moments with other Disney characters, but, um, yeah, it's got that homely, family Disney film vibe. And I guess without having to necessarily be the made for tv disney movies i mean you've seen a lot of the other sort of disney films that are like this or not like this but like holes have you seen holes with shy the booth like that's yeah that's not a made for tv movie but it's in the same wheelhouse yeah i would say it's in that bracket isn't it of that kind of film uh, absolutely so interesting things that i found out about this film it's uh imdb score is 6.3 mm-hmm. which actually isn't too bad I thought it's okay for, for what for what the film is respectable absolutely and it's Rotten Tomato score is 53% so again you know over half <laughs> halfway there to be, to be you know a great film it's not so, bad so there's there's two two bits I'm going to say now so who it's written by and then who it's directed by so who it's written by isn't really a, a biggie so it's written by a gentleman called uh, William R. Hudson and Stu Krieger. I think Stu Krieger actually produced the film as well. But who it's directed by is quite important to me because it's directed by a man called LeVar Burton. Have you ever heard of LeVar Burton? No. Have you ever watched Star Trek The Next Generation? No. Well, you are missing out, my friend. <laughs> Do you remember there's a guy in Star Trek that wears like a visor? Yes. That is LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton directed Smart House. <laughs> Wait, okay, but so did you know as a fan, did you know that he was a director as well, or is this completely random? There's episodes of Star Trek that he's directed. He, he does a lot. He does do direction and stuff like that and um, gets involved. But when I was looking up who directed it and trying to find out more about the film and I saw his name on there, I was so surprised and really shocked. I thought it was actually quite nice. So I, I looked up a little bit more about what he'd said about the film. <laughs> Excellent. And he actually said some stuff about the film 
last year. Wow. Um, oh, because it was 20 year. 20, oh, right. 20 years kind of anniversary 99, of the film. 2019, yeah. Uh, so he'd actually said that the film uh, was a clear precursor to the widespread use of artificial intelligence and virtual assistant technology, saying that our homes are becoming more and more technologically sophisticated uh, and that, after all, that was what Pat was about. So Pat being the... The AI. The AI that's involved in the house and sorting this out and that out. Which actually, in a, in a way, he's right. But I just just that alone, being a bit of a Star Trek geek, and that he directed it, made, made the film a little bit more exciting. <laughs> in a weird way. He basically was the precursor to Siri. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that That's really cool. And besides his acting in Star Trek, has he acted in other things or directed other movies? Or was this sort of a one and done outside of that franchise? It, well, he acted in stuff when he was younger before Star Trek. Then was in Star Trek and has done pretty much that all the way through. I'm sure he's done he's done appearances in things like, like The Big Bang Theory and things and other shows like that. Uh, like I said, directed quite a lot of Star Trek. But I don't really know... What other films he's going to direct? I'll probably have to look into that a bit more. But that's okay. Let's get back to the main let's, the main event here. Let's get back let's, to Smart, smart House. That's <laughs> what it's all about. Well, that's re- that's really cool. Yeah, it's quite cool. I was quite pleased with that. I feel that. <laughs> so let's talk about Pat. Okay. Played by Katie Siegel. I have a couple things about her. Well, the main one is one of my favourite TV shows of all time, as you can see in the office we're in is Lost mm-hmm. and she played Locke's girlfriend significant other in the flashbacks uh-huh. so she will always hold a special place in my heart oh, yeah. she also does the voice of Leela in Futurama if you ever watched ah, so okay. she's, she's good at that uh, and she's in loads of stuff she loads of Disney stuff as well and then there's programmes like Eight Simple Rules where she's the mum in that Yep. And she's done a lot of programs, a lot of TV work like that. So when I first heard the voice, I thought, oh, that's that's her. That's Kit. Oh, uh, you knew it from that. Yeah, yeah. I, I could recognise recognize the voice, which is, which is great. It's uh, Katie Siegel, which is which is really cool. I would just say as well, she is pretty perfect casting for later in the movie when she comes into fruition, I guess you could say, in physical, non-physical form, that she her face is kind of perfectly symmetrical and she looks like this perfect 1930s housewife with the apron dotted and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was a good casting choice aesthetically as well. I think she does the kind of overpowering, overbearing bit quite well as well. So let's talk about the actual film itself. So let's let's kind of go through it. So we have a family of three. The, the dad in it has, has sadly been widowed. Can we just say on the dad, he's played by Kevin Kilner. It I is, believe. yeah. He also holds a special place in my heart <laughs> because in one of my other favourite TV shows, One Tree Hill, he plays the dad of Peyton Sawyer. They, they replace the original dad with a different actor oh, wow. like in like the second or third season and they replace him with him. Ooh. And uh, he, does, he does a really good job. So this film means a lot to you just on the, uh, the casting. <laughs> Dom, when you cling to a film... <laughs> It holds a different place. You basically place. live that film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, in the film we have a family of three. We have Nick, uh, so the Cooper family. So we've got Nick, uh, Ben and Angie. Ben and Angie are brother and sister. Ben is a little bit older than Angie. And Nick is the dad. He is a widower, so the mum has passed away. Uh, it's all a bit sad. But 
you know, they're holding together. He's got a job, but he's looking after his kids. Ben, who's kind of in the early teens, is looking after the family as well. He gets home and he makes dinner and he does the washing and the cleaning and he helps his sister. And it's all quite a nice, homely thing. He does a lot. He does a lot, yeah. He cooks the tuna pasta. He does. He picks... Angie up from the babysitters, like you said, helps her with the spelling, feeds yeah. the dog. He he cleans. <laughs> He's probably listening to his own film while, <laughs> while cleaning the house. He, loving it. Absolutely. He might be listening to Gone in 60 Seconds. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Any other other Nicolas Cage films are available um, to him. But none are as good. None are as good. You're right. So... He enters into a competition, so he sees that this smart house is, is going up for competition, which has been made and designed by Sarah Barnes, played by Jessica Steen. You know, very clever, intelligent woman who's built this house that's super clever, has basically made a house that you kind of think Bill Gates would make or have or live in. Uh, and it goes up for competition for people to apply to, to live there, basically. And Ben applies. Uh, he then falls asleep at his computer... Uh, with the internet on now anyone who born after the 90s won't really understand dial-up internet because his dad in the film has a go at him and says make sure you unplug the internet in case someone phones us and he's like who the hell's going to phone us he's like well there's the grandparents there's this person there's that person and he goes oh okay yeah sure and he forgets to he falls asleep at his computer and obviously you know forgets to turn the internet off and he also forgets to give his dad messages from this other woman, Melanie, because he doesn't want his dad to replace his bereaved mother. Bereaved's not the right word, is it? <laughs> Probably not, no, because right <laughs> the dad would be bereaved. So what is she? Dead. <laughs> <laughs> What's the right <laughs> Deceased. That's so hard. It's a Disney film. What's wrong with you? Deceased is the word you were thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) Better than just going dead. (laughs) I didn't say it. Uh, it. (laughs) To to replace the 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 lost mother. Good. (laughs) Continue. Okay. So he doesn't give he doesn't give the message of Melanie. But, but, right, he doesn't, he doesn't give the message, okay? And he's like, but Ben, I told you about my messages. It was a week ago. So in his mind, he's like, it's been a week. I won't bother calling her at all. Like, why is he not going to skip a record and say, oh, I'm really sorry, message got mixed up, blah, blah, blah. Instead, nah, I just... <laughs> my, my son's blocking all my messages. I'm not going to ring her. I'll Make, wait for her to ring me. Again? Yeah. Arrogance of this man. No, no, but I always, I just think, why, why are you not just at least calling to apologise? It, it could be salvage. He's not really interested. That's why. What, why is he asking about the messages then? I don't have an answer. You don't know Melanie. <laughs> are you like Melanie's biggest fan? But I don't understand why he still doesn't think he can just call her back because it's been a week. Sure, he could at least call her back to apologise. Maybe there's like a, a statute of limitations. It's it's got to that point where he can't ring her now. It's like it's, it, a week's gone. She's gonna think I'm an idiot. She's probably already moved on. It's true. Let's call it a day. Different times. It's different times. The nineties. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, early that uh, late nineties, nearly, nearly the thousands. Millennium bug. Yeah. Probably worried about what's gonna what was gonna happen. His dad works in distributing sports goods. I think. Yeah. It, it, like I. There's a lot of 
bats and balls and yeah, and he gloves. gives. So I think it's like baseball equipment as well. And he gives Ben a basketball. Yeah, and he seems to be good at basketball. Yeah, but he doesn't join the team. There's a very specific reason why Ben hasn't joined the team. Is that because they no longer have a mother? God rest her. <laughs> <laughs> what? What does that mean? Single <laughs> bereaved. Children can't play sports teams. What is wrong with you? That's not what I'm saying. I was, what I was saying is that he feels like he can't because he has to look after his dad and his sister. So he's, yeah. he's decided to make this choice that he's not going to go and join these teams and, and have fun because it's important <laughs> to look after family first. But also, True. he's running interference. He's stopping the Melanies of the world getting mm. involved in their family dynamic, which is which he absolutely does not want. He doesn't want anyone replacing mum. He doesn't want anyone, you know, stepping into her shoes. Which, of course, Nick explains the whole way through that nobody could do that, really. It's that kind of heartfelt Disney moment where she was the one true love. Something tragic has happened and she can't be replaced. But he needs attention. He has needs. He has needs. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we're jumping so far ahead because I have a lot to say on those moments. But can I just ask this quick side comment? Have you seen the film It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. You know, that old black and white film. Angie, the, the little sister, to me, has been beamed from that film. <laughs> she, she looks like, like one of the little, hello, mister. <laughs> like, that's why I managed to come out of her mouth. But she's not. And she is actually probably the, the most... <laughs> the most what? Sort of straight up, authentic grounded character in the movie yes like she fundamentally has a good grasp on anything she actually doesn't really go through much of a character arc because she's sort of already already there yeah where where the the development's more focused on the movie on ben's arc and uh and his dad nick and and where they end up she's already quite mature for her age Mm. she doesn't really need looking after it's it's Ben that becomes like exactly like you said he goes from being this I look after the family we don't need anyone else to there's someone interfering and it's upsetting me to actually maybe we do need this person and that's kind of how it flows for for Ben and uh, Nick you know goes for a slight arc in that he's oh it's us three but I'm kind of looking for something looking for someone oh I found someone that's quite nice I want to be with them trouble with Ben dealt with and then Angie's just kind of like normal all the way through kind of the voice of reason might be a good way of describing her exactly i think nick his learning as well is to not induce like this sort of child labor on his 13 year old son by doing everything because towards the end he's sort of again we're really jumping ahead but he's cooking breakfast i cooked the breakfast i allowed my son to be a child He lost his mother, put him to work. Live your life, son. I'll cook breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll yeah, go back. Can't. Yeah, let's go back. Let's go back to like the, the sort of middle of the film when they move into this house. Whoa, 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 whoa. We can't go that far ahead because okay. we haven't, we, we're skipping vital scenes. Here. Okay, let's go back further than that then. He's missed the, the phone call from Melanie. Then yes. it's, he falls asleep at his computer and then it skips over to the next day. He goes into school and then he's being congratulated by random people. Oh, well done. I can't believe you did it. Oh, what was that about? 
and he doesn't really get it until he gets into the classroom and then they're like round of applause he's here he's like we did it we did it when i was 12 to now i would have wanted to have been this kid like i think they in some of these disney films they design the the protagonists when they're like the, the children of what the audience will want to reciprocate and want to be that person and sometimes they really miss the mark where there's other examples of this where there's one called the 13th year i don't know if you've ever heard of this one where I'll give you a brief synopsis mermaid has a baby it's, you know like wicker baskets it basically to humans yeah not a wicker but basically gifts the baby to humans and then on his 13th birthday he starts he's like in regular school and whatever not, not mermaid school <laughs> he starts to become a mermaid <laughs> a really big flaw in that film is that he's the popular kid and that's like sort of douchey to other kids so you don't really like him but you're meant to be on his side yeah and so it's like a big character flaw where where ben in smart house he isn't the popular kid but he is cool and he plays basketball and, and whatever and he knows you know choreographed dances to five music videos and all these other amazingly cool things you beat me to it on the five thing i was gonna bring that up <laughs> but you already got there so <laughs> I've actually been learning some of the moves myself. I was oh. hoping afterwards we can, you know, slide out. Because there's a lot of sliding. There is a lot of sliding, a lot of hand bopping. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like they, they, they've done him as a character well and developed him well. Because, yeah, I felt like I would have, as a child, I would have wanted to have been him. I mean, did you perceive him as cool? I thought he was quite cool. But then when he gets to the school and there's the, the typical bully, he's then perceived as being a bit uncool. But he's already got... So he's got two mates who are supposed to be his geeky mates. That was also quite cool. Yeah, it's not your typical trio of geeks, is it? It's not like you're watching like Stranger Things, where the kids in that are actually quite geeky and they're picked on for it. They're actually fairly cool kids that play basketball, play sports, and are involved with a lot of people in the school. The, the so-called attractive girl fancies him the goddess of the fifth grade spoke to me <laughs> absolutely it's just it's scary that you could quote it it's fantastic i love it but he was uh, it was gwen wasn't it gwen petroni that that was the character name uh played by raquel bodine uh who uh, <laughs> was you know his love interest shall we say everyone's love interest she was the goddess of the fifth grade that is true so. that is true the, the fifth grade uh, was lucky to have Gwen in their presence. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the bully... Yes. ...was very untypical in that he was kind of like a goth kid and typically in these sort of American high school films, the goth kids aren't, aren't the bully kids. It's normally the, the jocks and etc. Yeah. yeah, he had the spiky hair, the weird sort of chain round his neck, the t-shirt under the open shirt, kind of baggy trouser look, didn't he? And he had his mate, his little ginger mate that came along with him. <laughs> Go home, freak! <laughs> That's all Ben needed to say. That's all Ben needed to do, yeah, absolutely. The whole way through, all Ben needed to do was like, Go home, freak, or shut up, freak! 
as, as Uber. It's reverse bullying. Well, if you can bully the bully. D- does it make it right? Who watches two, the Watchmen? Two wrongs. <laughs> I don't know. But there's there's that touching moment where Nick, so the dad, says to Ben, well, the best way of dealing with a bully or someone like that is to stand up to them. And then he, he comes home with a black eye. So <laughs> Ryan was taking none of it from Ben. <laughs> Parenting 101 from Nick again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on. We're, we're jumping ahead still. Okay. It's just so exciting. Uh, I have to savour every moment of this. I don't know when I'll ever have a conversation this in-depth about this film ever again. <laughs> to be honest, am I ever going to talk about this film ever again with anyone that's I'm, seen it? Probably not. I think you'd be very lucky if you found that that person. Maybe we should stretch this out over a couple of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Smart House, part five. <laughs> really analyse each character he calls his dad at work from a payphone at school. Legendary. Why not? Absolutely, because you know the number in those days. You had to remember numbers. And then he says, well, we won. Da, 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 da. Pick up a paper if you have one there. Okay, picks it up. And then instead of seeing the house, Nick is seeing a picture of Sarah and... He likes what he sees. He likes what he sees, indeed. And then we have a bit of double entendre of, are we talking, Ben's talking about the house, Nick's talking about her, and they say they'll give it a try. And one other thing I forgot to say. <laughs> at, the, at the beginning, this is this, when before it's been unfolded, oh, we're going to do this competition in Monroe County, and they end up getting... Eight and a half thousand applicants, or whatever, a quarter of them are Ben by his own admission. We're introduced to Sarah's rat, whose name's Butler, Rat Butler, and he has a perfectly shaped mouse hole in the skirting board. Yes, he does. <laughs> and do you know what? I didn't question it. She's built a house for someone else and has made a hole for her rat. <laughs> Well, what this, kind of film is this? Well, wait, but this, <laughs> but this has always well not confused me. But let's let's talk about it. It's put out there. Absolutely, Tom and Jerry. It's a cartoon. It's not real. Okay, but these is where these little mouse holes are coming from. Yeah, is it the mouse that has created these holes, or are these just massive flaws in people's DIY? I think Sarah's made it intentionally. I think her her real purpose was was to always fall in love with Nick and move into the house with a rat. That was it was her plan <laughs> all along. <laughs> you call her a rat. So in Tom and Jerry, then who's made them holes? Jerry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so then they call a press. Maybe, maybe Sarah built those houses. So she's just gone. I'm going to put these little mouse holes everywhere. Production lines. Maybe it's like her signature. Mm. You know, artists will always sign off a painting with a signature. Maybe that's her way of doing it. She's involving her rat. Uh, <laughs> Why has she got a rat? Why does she take it with her? Got many questions to ask about Sarah. But the rat through. is vital to the story, though. To be fair, later on. Completely. Completely. I mean, like saves the day. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch this more than once? No. Will you? Probably not. I unfortunately had to watch it in two minute seg- segments 
<laughs> on YouTube. Yeah, I couldn't find a version that was all in one, but luckily it was all linear, so it just it played two minutes and then immediately played the next bit, and when... it just carried on. There were no gaps, so that was really good. Oh. But yeah, we'll watch it for two minutes, it then go dark and then come straight back on again. Ah, oh, so, so you could annoying. you could see it wasn't perfectly thread. Yeah. So if I had you know what you have on your phone and you watch it religiously you listen to it religiously then maybe I'd give it another go I would like if, if you whacked it on now I'd watch it don't put it on now <laughs> <laughs> well I can give you the DVD oh god it's a DVD <laughs> of course I need this own the box excellent for the artwork fantastic sometimes it's nice to have like the physical copy yeah it's region one though for Americans Oh, okay. I can give you a digital file. You're very keen on me watching this again, aren't you? How do you want to do this? I don't think I need to watch it again. Oh, we'll see. Okay. The... <laughs> they hold a press conference, and Sarah says the only thing that the smart house can't do is mime. Yes. Which I thought was quite a good joke. It was quite amusing. She says, well, we think that's a good thing. The crowd loved it. They did. There's a lot of reporters there. And... To be real, it is ahead of its time. I mean, our houses still can't do these things. We don't have robotic arms and, you know, picking up papers. The floor was brilliant when they mm. spilled the drink. Because what happens uh, is they activate some sort of cleaning. I can't remember what it's called. Floor sensors. Floor sensors. And it, like... Absorbers. Ab- floor floor absorbers. It absorbs the li- like everything into the floor. So under the house, the foundation must just be made of litter. It's just a landfill. Yeah, so it's basically just waste ground <laughs> under the house. Well, that's where the rats live. They just, well, the butt butlers in there tidying up. Just eating through all the garbage. <laughs> Let's talk about the house. So the Coopers move in. Firstly, Nick says, well, if it doesn't work out, we can go back to our old house. So they're keeping their old house. They're not so- selling. I'm not selling, they're, they're, they're keeping hold of that. It's like an heirloom. Well, now they're rich, right? Because they've got a free house. They can sell the old one and, and just, you know, bank the money. Or even if they were renting, which they probably weren't, because they probably cashed in, you know, Ben's mum's life insurance, paid off the mortgage. Wow. Right? We grieve for a while, but then let's get logistical. Ben is the only one that hasn't got over her. Everyone else has moved on. <laughs> Angie doesn't even remember. Nick was like, ka-ching! <laughs> Money maker. And enter my theory that Nick murdered his wife. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the butler did it. <laughs> Eaten by rat. Eaten by rat. But then, <laughs> worst case scenario, even if they were renting the house, they're still going to get their security deposit back. It's not as much as if they were to own it and sold it, but they've still got a little cushion, okay? Investments. I think they definitely could have, you know, sold that house straight away. Because even, like, we'll get onto it later on, once all the problems happen in the house, they still stay there. So they don't need the other house. They've made that decision already. Mm. They get rid of it. Even if all of the smart technology, if you was to shut it off, this house is obviously far superior as a standard house to their previous house. Absolutely. I mean, even just the front garden, the shrubbery, is delightful. It's... <laughs> and now I know that I start to show my age now as we move through this. Because 
I look at compositions of driveways and gardens in films and TV shows now because I take a keen interest in the composition of my own driveway and I think well I can respect that because I know what work went into it. Sarah's put a lot of effort into every aspect of that house with Tuttle who's the guy that helped her design it and put it all together. Yes yes, and let's be real Tuttle is is a yes man. He is a yes man because she phones him at one point later on in the film like the middle of the night and he appears and she says like the schematics. I need the schematics and he says of the house? What else Tuttle? (laughs) There's a problem with the house. I need the schematics of the house. <laughs> of course. Maybe it's because you left a rat in there <laughs> chewing through the wires in the walls. It's causing all sorts of problems with Pat. All problems with Pat. That could be the sequel. Problems with Pat. <laughs> so. Let's go, yeah. let, let's go back a little bit more then. Okay. Go back to where we were at least. So we've moved into the house now. They're finding out all about it. Angie has recognised that Nick... Her dad likes Sarah. Mm. Ben is oblivious because he doesn't want it to happen. He doesn't want to believe it. But he's also quite excited by the technology. Go, look what this can do. Look what that can do. And Sarah's kind of showing them. And then Angie later on explains to Ben. You could tell dad liked Sarah. And he's like, shut up, sort of thing. He just tells her to be quiet because he doesn't want to believe that. And we don't need her anyway. We've got each other and we've got Pat now. Pat's going to be better than all the mums on the block I'm pretty sure he says at one point and he gets super like keen about how how good Pat's going to be for them when they go through the, the technology what the house can do it can provide you with nutritious meals selected to you because obviously they scan themselves in don't they essentially and it recognises who they are and weight and all sorts of things she says I didn't know that thing was going to bite me that wasn't a bite that took a part of your DNA and blah 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 yeah. it's almost a bit went into a bit Jurassic Park for a second so the house now automatically recognises who you are and knows everything about you probably more than you know about you just from a little scanner which great super that's very clever and then it can do all these wonderful things like make the meals and it can clean up and the floor absorbers and stuff like that. So there's never a need to clean or there's never a need to make food or anything like that because the house will do it. But what I want to understand is where's the food coming from? Mm. Who's providing that? Has she got, is it all just holographic food? Well, I don't really know. Do you mean like as in the ongoing costs? Like is this something that eventually Nick is going to be stuck with the bill with? With you got this house, but you got to pay X amount of money a month to put all this food into like into it. A card are turning up, <laughs> chucking some food in and disappearing, and then the the, the house is making it, like is putting it together. Because he asked for pizza at one point when he's having so later when he has a party and he asks for pizza and then they go. Oh no, like, I want something sweet. And then Gwen says, I want something sweet. So then all these cakes appear. <laughs> Wait, can we just, before we, uh, we've got to wait before we get to that. Before we, we, have to talk, we have to talk about certain lines like, can you help these ladies with their snack attack? Show me the honey. <laughs> we, we have to talk about writing like this. Just the, the blatant theft of lines from big films imagine a room of people thinking what was cool to a 13 year old show me the honey (laughs) write it done get it in there that 13 year old would have seen jerry Maguire, right (laughs) Uh... 
Is that what his friend is saying? Oh my god, I've got to Google that. Hang on. <laughs> Did Jerry Maguire come out before before that? Of course. Oh, Dominic. <laughs> I didn't know. Show me the money. Show me the honey. That's a brilliant reference. <laughs> Kid's a genius. The kid is a genius. Show me the hut. Show me the. Oh. But Jerry Maguire is a fifteen, so probably rated something that he can't go and see in America. It's so he still, shouldn't have seen that film, but he has. Still, that makes so much. He would have known from school pop culture. <laughs> also, it's got the kid that was in Stuart Little in it, which also featured a small rodent. Just connecting just, dots everywhere. Just so many links to Jerry Maguire. <laughs> What's his bacon number? (laughs) (laughs) While they're doing the initial tour of the house, Sarah says, this is the living area. It's designed for whatever kind of living that you want. Ben says, what about safari? And it comes on and it gets a bit intense and the elephant like runs towards them and Angie gets a bit scared. And Sarah says, oh, maybe something a bit more tranquil and it turns to a beach. Or Nick says, I want want something a bit... Can we have something a bit more... Chill, chill, chill or relaxing or whatever, yeah. And then she, she changes it, doesn't she? Sarah changes it. To the beach. And then Angie says, oh, I can feel the mist. <laughs> and then she says, my favourite line. She says, uh, it's like being there, but without all that icky sand. <laughs> Nobody likes sand. A bit icky. Icky sand. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know there's like the line in Star Wars in the prequels and Hayden Christensen Anakin says something about are you comparing Smart House to Star Wars? he says something about sand I don't like sand it's coarse rough and irritating and it gets everywhere not like you you everything soft and smooth. It's so creepy that scene. How oh, like sand. <laughs> I don't like sand. <laughs> what an intro. Just there's no nothing before it. Oh, here's Amadala. Well she died Amadala there. But uh, he's obviously hitting on her and talks about sand. <laughs> Gets everywhere. Can we edit icky into there? I yeah. So I I misspoke on the icky, but I mean let's get it straight. I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough, and irritating. So we've now linked Smart House to Jerry Maguire, Stuart Little. And Star Wars. Yeah, which um, one is this? The second one. This is episode two. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. Potentially the most garbage of all of them. Could you type in Star Wars icky icky goo? Okay. So there is an icky thing in Star Wars. Yeah. This is what that's what I thought you were getting at. That's what I thought you were getting at. <laughs> so Jar Jar says icky icky goo. So there is another link to the the same episode of Star Wars. Was that Attack of the Clones as well? I think so. Or it might be Phantom Menace. I think it's Phantom Menace. I think it's the first one. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Because they're going to... Oh. To find Anakin. It's about pod racing, aren't they? I, uh, to find Anakin. 
in that one. I, I know everyone hates on the Phantom Menace, but because we grew up in the time of like pod racing and things, that I, that still holds a place for me. It's <laughs> never as good as the originals, of course, or the, the new iterations. Mm-hmm. But where does it sit for you? I, I like the the action scenes in them are quite good, but the content around that isn't great, but I watch it for the saber fights, really. Mm. Darth Maul was cool. Yes. And then we move to, like what you said, they go up into their bedrooms and Angie expresses to Ben that she thinks that Nick has an interest in Sarah. Yes, and Sarah might reciprocate that feeling towards Nick. Ben kind of kicks off about it, saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, we don't need them. The house is going to be good for us. This is what we need. We don't need anything else. Which is great. Fine. And Andy's really good about it, actually. She's just like, whoa, whoa, I didn't mean to, like, upset you. Which is really grounded for, how old are we thinking she is? Six, seven, five? Probably about seven, no. Not as young as five. Yeah, that's crazy. She's about seven. How old do you think she was? Nine, ten? (laughs) (laughs) Seven, eight? (laughs) How old do you think she was? Seven, eight? Yeah, around there. So, she's pretty grounded. Is that the point where she's watching Bewitched as well? She's listening to Bewitched. On then is on the wall. On the wall. Yeah. Which I was very surprised because you've got a UK group on there on her screen because they're Irish. Yes. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of expect a Disney film American, something American, but they had that. Well, two because they've got Bewitched and five. And five. Yeah, and then five later on. Well, the music is a whole thing. Shall we take a moment to talk about music? We can talk about the music. Because I only have one thing to say about music. Are you going to say... The house is jumping, jumping, or jump, jump, the house is jumping, or whatever it is. Say it. Go ahead. I know you're going to say it. <laughs> jump, jump, the house is jumping. That's it. Uh, yeah. Uh. Jump, jump, the house is jumping. Jump, jump, the house is jumping. Uh huh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> So I've spent a while trying to find that song on Apple Music, etc. But nah. You can get it on YouTube. Can you buy it from YouTube? No, I don't think so. I think you can only just play it, but then it'll probably cut into bits of the film. Mm. So it won't just play the, the track on its own. But do you agree that that's a banger? It certainly lifted my spirits. <laughs> I've never, <laughs> never so strongly heard a song and thought, that must be my ringtone. <laughs> Could you imagine being in a meeting? Yep, I'll get those numbers to you. House is jumping. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh. That's my favourite bit. It's the guy in the background. Uh-huh, yeah. What? <laughs> jump, jump. They just hide some keys to go, uh-huh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh. Jump, jump, <laughs> Because it sounds like his disconnect... Oh, no, because he has a little... Come on, da-da-da-da, and in the house, right. Jump, jump. <laughs> Can we find it? Yeah, we must. What What I'm interested in is, do you think this song was purposely written for the film, or do you think it pre-existed the film? Well, I tried to find that out, because I was quite interested by the song. Of course you and was. I, I think it's actually written for the film, but I couldn't find... I could find who sang it, but I couldn't find any... Like a full version. Anything more than that. 
typed this into YouTube and I just typed in that the house is jumping and Slam Dunk the, Dunk the Funk was on there wasn't it the, yeah. that was the five song that was the five yeah the five song and the only thing that comes up we've got a seven minute video which is Smart House that's that's the person that's Chan Andre that oh so this is it this so there is, is it. a one minute and five second version that was put on five years ago So this makes me very happy. So you can find this. It's a minute and five seconds on YouTube. And as you said, Dom, by Chan Andre. Yeah. If you put Chan Andre, house is jumping. Of course, jumping does not have a G on the end. I will just I will just read you some of the, the comments that, that are in there. The top one is, Due to technical difficulties beyond our control, all smoothie-making operations have temporarily been suspended. Tuna Noodle, my favourite. <laughs> this song has been playing in my head for over 10 years and I'm finally hearing it again. That's good. I'm assuming that's a positive. We've got people asking where can we find it. Who's here after watching Smart House on Disney Plus? Right, so that's an interesting point. So Disney Plus, as I'm sure you're aware, Dom, is the new streaming service that's coming out. It's already out in in the US, but coming out in the UK next month in March. Exciting. Which is going to have this whole back catalogue of all of these Disney movies. Oh, God. Which means you will be able to watch it if you get that service. Yeah. But they also have the rights to Star Wars, 20th Century Fox... They own ESPN. I think Disney graphic. own most of the world now. Marvel. Yeah. So it's going to have loads of content. But it does mean Boy. that this will be available on that service to watch if people are nostalgic and want to catch up with it. What other music on here were you a fan of, Dom? Well, Five was a surprise, was a shock when it was Slam Dunk, Da Funk. <laughs> in brackets of course uh, which was a shock because his mates around the house you know we say see his mates a lot you see him at school and then he, they pop around the house twice and once is just before he has his mega party so let's go let's have a bit of backstory into this party before we talk about the music a bit more yes because uh, Nick says to Sarah I wish Ben could have a little bit more fun because you know he's he spent all this time trying to look out for us and look after us he's not really being a kid and it's difficult and Sarah even says it why he's at that difficult age where he wants to be a kid but it's being dragged into adulthood you know how what a poignant moment and they say this over a uh, like a FaceTime yeah which didn't exist and there's actually a couple things that truly actually did precursor some of the technology we have now whether that you know they always say that technology that we're actually receiving now has actually been in existence for like 20 years you know so that takes that long to get it to market so who knows but things like to get pat's attention this isn't consistent through the film but in the beginning they say you have to say hey pat and then it, the little noise goes and then it's can i have whatever which is the same as saying hey siri and or alexa and there is Siri. I think you've got the wrong assistant. <laughs> exactly, I was trying to find Pat. 
but yeah or saying hey Alexa or hey whatever um, and then uh, you know putting a command in as uh, and then the same I guess with like the FaceTiming but when he FaceTimes her she's like puts on her headset and sort of looking and he doesn't sort of have a camera to look at it's kind of odd he just looks at the screen but obviously it's it's a film we can forgive it absolutely which is almost like a Star Trek touch Mm. as well because when they they talk to each other through a view screen there's no cameras involved they just see so you never know that might have been a little LeVar Burton slide in there (laughs) and that's where this is where Nick asks her for a date and she's had this terrible track history where she's been with some like criminal he's not got all these issues and isn't like a secret axe murderer so that he must have the wrong number and then they have like a little flirty banter bit there, don't they? They sure do. They sure do. And then like you said, she says, yeah, what a rotten age, I think is what she says. Yeah. And you've been ripped in one way and pulled in another. So from that point, they Pat overhears this conversation because Pat hears everything. And the AI updates to look up fun. Fun comes up as dancing to music. Now, certainly when I was a teenager that, that wasn't that wasn't fun for me. Maybe on my own, but not with like a, a crowded house full of people. Dancing isn't fun for me ever. Yeah. Dancing to me is, oh no, I'm gonna look very awkward and have zero rhythm in front of an audience. Hard to be socially awkward and alienate everyone. And I always have this vision that like the DJ, let's imagine there is a DJ, is going to stop the music and go, hey, you! And he's going to point at me and everyone's going to look and go, ha ha, he can't dance. <laughs> look at his floppy limbs. <laughs> oh, wow, this is actual trauma. <laughs> <laughs> this is PTSD. This happened to me. This is life. I, I'm just concerned that have we have we mixed up the timeline just a little bit because there's a point where sarah comes for dinner i think does she have dinner before they go out on the date because when they go out on the date is when when this party happens but when is the point that ben updates pat to be more maternal and goes through the marathon of watching mum does this and mum does that you know like the tv marathon to become yeah mother like yeah noah's matriarch that's it that made me laugh that was funny that's after, isn't it? After the date. Is it that from the date, it's like, well, he's like, replacing your mother, so then he's saying, Pat will be the mum we need, all the mum we need. Yeah, it? because Pat will be, will beat all the mums on the block. That's it, that's it. Okay, yeah. so sorry, my bad. So, if we, yeah, yeah. So, they, they go on the date. Yeah, she's looking up fun, seeing the dancing. They look a lot older than 13 years old. Yes. Very MTV-like. And actually, the, the logo comes up that's mocking MTV, or not mocking, like parodying MTV. It's like MPC or something, but in the same way. Did you see that? Yeah, it was music player something. Yeah. Something uh, yeah, like I, I, I thought it was quite funny, though, as well, because it, it had come out. I was thinking, oh, it's like MTV, but it was their own little version. Uh, and then it was just it literally just playing kind of typical 90s. Everyone's got the baggiest clothes than you could ever imagine. dancing around in in that style if if you've ever seen a five video you would understand and we you know we witness it just before the party we do so the the ai is smart enough to then recognize that okay ben needs to have some fun what's fun we've learned what fun is now we learn that it's dancing in big groups of people which also kind of explains why ben is quite cool because he was quite happy to dance in front of all these other people Mm. even though he's a geek 
He's got rhythm. He has, and style. And <laughs> um, <laughs> He sure does. He then, uh, so then she then goes to his email contact list and then emails everyone and says, come to the party. So that's when he's like, hey, let's get into the vibe. Let's get in the mood, guys. Let's do a little dance. And they play... Alley-oop, the only other basketball term they use. When In the whole song. <laughs> hey, yeah, man. Slam dunk and alley-oop, that's literally it. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it, absolutely. So they do their little dance to that, and then the, the party then starts to, to get going, doesn't it? People start turning up. Gwen arrives. Big news. Goddess of the fifth grade. Goddess of the fifth grade is turning up at my house. How, how excited is Ben right now? What's my hair doing? Exactly. He's so focused on what, you know, that Gwen is coming. He doesn't care about anyone else. He's had a little boogie. He's got to get prepared now. What I find the most amazing about this entire section of the party is that Angie, the seven slash eight year old, is the bouncer. He's essentially on the door doing door work going and she turns people away. This is harder to get into than blah blah's bar mitzvah. Exactly. And she turns around and goes, well, what are your names? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, you're not on the list. You're not on the list, you ain't getting in. See you later. And they go away. And they disappear. They're like very respectful. Mm. Then the bully turns up. Mm-hmm. Ryan appears. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we wouldn't want you here. He wouldn't have invited you. And he says, I've got an email. I've got an email. I've got an invite. She looks and he's on the list. So he's, gained entry mm. you think you know sister have a bit of sense just don't let him in make that choice but no he was on the list he was getting in and, and that's how she operates <laughs> well if it's on the list it's on the list absolutely oh, God, I've just got to follow the list do you know what I mean but I I, I have just realised though we have jumped ahead a little bit of something because Ben has gone into the mainframe of Pat's computer to program her to be more maternal before this and the reason so we had a little conversation off microphone of what came in which order and but I've realised it is that oh. that happens first and the reason why is because one of my other favourite lines in the film is when he's been got the black eye where he's been punched in the face stand up to the bully she says you put a stake on it and then she said and Nick's like, people haven't used that since the 70s or something like that. And then she says, does it hurt like the Dickens baby? <laughs> <laughs> to which no one responds. It's just nobody questions that that's the weirdest thing that anyone could have said. If, if, if I said, hey Alexa, call me an ambulance. And Alexa said, does it hurt like the Dickens baby? <laughs> I, I would have questions. Absolutely. And it's the fact that Pat has then started calling Ben my boy. Nobody hurts my boy. And again, that's just not questioned. And they just think, oh, the AI is ticking over. But not at any point does Ben, like this sec- at this part, like start to admit that he's tampered. So he's doing weird things. And he doesn't say at any point that he's, ta- he's taken the safety protocols off, hasn't he? 
In fact, does he ever admit that? No, I don't think so. I don't think he ever comes clean, does he? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Is well, there, there is a point when later on where they're in the computer room where he says something and that kind of... The dad, I think, then knows that he's tampered. Because so this actually stemmed from... We're going all a bit all over the place, but if you've seen the film, then you know... You know what's happening. You know what's going on. And if you haven't seen the film, then... Watch it. And get the audio, because... For cleaning. They have the malfunction at the sort of towards the beginning or like the end of the first act where Angie asks for a smoothie which is her go-to she's asked for one before she asks for one again Ben says oh make that two and that sort of frazzles it and then that's where like all the oranges sort of spray out everywhere it's attack of the killer oranges so on and so forth and then Sarah comes out to, to have a look at the house at Ben's disgust because he's like no 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 it'll be fine we won't have smoothies we'll live because he doesn't want the connection to, to go further yeah. with Nick and she goes in to the, the main frame and Ben won't come in she's trying to sort of bond with him yeah come in come have a look because even earlier in the film we know that he's into computers and he's called him computer boy which is the, you know, the big giveaway that you know he's got a big future in IT <laughs> He doesn't go in, but he, at dinner later, says, yeah, it looked like the inside of the Pentagon, etc. And then I think after that conversation where... Uh, oh, he has the first conversation with Nick, his dad, where they talk. Does, does he say, we're not, we're not replacing, he's not replacing your mother? Do they talk about his mum? Well, he, they, he goes, when they're at dinner, I don't think he storms off, doesn't have any peach cobbler. That's the second dinner, because that's when they have the more serious heart-to-heart, Yeah, which we need to have a whole conversation about. But I think there's like a first one that's like a little warm-up, but it doesn't go too far. Ben decides Pat needs to be all the mother that we need so that, you know, no one will interfere with with their family or replace his mum. Because really, if you're thinking about it, really, it's coming from a place of hurt. Like, he, he lost his mother and he doesn't want her to be replaced in his life. And, you know, he doesn't want to see his dad with, with another woman. So as much as this film is obviously out there, it is grounded in the realms of pain. And yeah. it's, actually, it's actually a very heartfelt story un- underneath it. Yeah, and there's definite, you know, a definite theme of there's a bit of loss there. There's a bit of moving on. You know, the family's trying to move on, but Ben doesn't want to. And it's that kind of coming round to the idea of it moment, isn't it? Um, where he eventually gets there. But it takes time for certain family members to realise that, doesn't it? So Ben goes into the mainframe. He has his like, Mission Impossible little headlight on <laughs> and hacks in and basically, as you said, puts on, what did you say? It was Noah's Matriarch. Yeah, it's says Noah's Matriarch, which I, I thought was really funny. There's like two or three other shows that he programs into it and says, Pat, watch these, learn learn from these, and you'll be the like the best mum ever, sort of thing. All sort of these dated... Yeah, very typical 1950s kind of house mum shows, aren't they? Where they're all like, hello darling, let me make tea for you, and that and sort of thing. I just have a cherry pie on the windowsill cooling. Yeah. <laughs> And then, as you said, we get to the party. So back to where he was. So the bully comes up, gets through the door. Bully's in, gained entry very easily. He was on the list. <laughs> um, Angie sticks to the list, as we know. Just, you know, she's so professional. She's not going to stray from her duties. And the party gets going. And then Ryan 
sort of picks on Ben a little bit. Well, this is while he's dancing with Gwen Petroni, who we know is the goddess of the fifth grade. He is in his element, and the boy can dance. Absolutely, yeah, he's in his element. He's loving life. He's dancing with Gwen, and she's having a great time too. Gwen Petroni. Oh, sorry, Gwen Petroni. <laughs> we have to say the whole name. She gets Paul named. He's, he's having a wonderful time. He's not thinking about what Ryan's doing. He doesn't even know Ryan's there. And then all of a sudden, Ryan turns up and starts, like, smack talking. We don't want smack talking. So he's just like, leave it out. Ben's like, leave it out. Go away. We're trying to have fun. You're ruining it. Gwen Petroni even says the same sort of thing. Just, like, leave us alone. And she admits, or omits, that she likes Ben. And Ben is surprised by this. Pleasantly. Pleasantly surprised. Have, have we... Have they already had the snacks at this point? Because that was like a bonding experience. The show me the honey moment. Show me the honey... Which now, I think it's one of the best lines in the film. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a Jerry Maguire reference. Well, I love Jerry Maguire. <laughs> it's a great film. The kid's a genius. <laughs> Casanova is smooth. <laughs> so yeah, the kid's a genius. Love Jerry Maguire. Can you help with the snack? He's got rhymes, the snack attack, show me the honey. These girls are starving. <laughs> he's confident. He, he's, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. <laughs> like a serial killer. <laughs> he's going to lock them in the basement. He's grooming <laughs> them with cupcakes. Oh, no. <laughs> How am I supposed to salvage an episode from this? I don't think you can. <laughs> 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 so the bully then starts kicking off. Yeah. It's all getting a bit much. Sorry, Ben try, then tries to say go away. Gwen Petroni says go away. And then Pat steps in and starts doing some really creepy stuff. Stuff that we haven't seen that she's capable of doing yet. Yeah, so this lightning bolt appears and sort of shocks Ryan a little bit, which is dangerous. So <laughs> Pat is showing that she's dangerous. So this is this is Disney saying technology will take over. I mean, there is a link to Terminator in this. <laughs> For sure. There is Terminator 2 written all over this. Skynet. This is happening. Sarah works for Skynet. Sarah works for Skynet. She eventually got made redundant from Skynet <laughs> for, oh, make houses. Yeah, you made too many houses with rat holes in them. <laughs> They've got to go. So then the, Ryan's a bit shocked by that and then like starts kicking off because Pat's like oh Ryan wants to be the centre of attention look how amazing he is and shines a light on him and he's like oh yeah I do what are you going to do about it and then this creepy skull then appears and starts flying around him can I just say considering you've only seen this once you have a very good memory not that you can tell because this is audio speaking to the listeners if we have any <laughs> but you're not really Hi, mom. <laughs> You're not reading anything, like as in like these aren't you have no notes here or anything. You've got a really good memory for this stuff. Thanks. You only watched it once. Yeah, it's crazy. Just once, yeah, and forever. <laughs> I'm joking. I'll definitely watch. We should watch it together. Yes, I would quite like to watch all your reactions when we watch it, especially the revelation of Show Me the Honey. I'm gonna watch it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be cleaning at the weekend. So okay, okay. this yellow skull appears out of. Th- seemingly thin air the first sort of moment of projection other than the lightning bolt because they use the walls for projection so you just kind of assume it's just a big screen really but then this this one floats around the room so you kind of you know it's the first instance of a projection that isn't attached to a wall it then scares ryan a little bit and then 
the big arm comes out and like pokes him out and then throws him out of the house, doesn't it? And he's just tucked on the lawn and then everyone like comes running out to the front of the house and looks at him and he's pissed off that he's been chucked on the floor by this house and he's like, Oh, I'll get you. I'll get you and he and then his mate comes out and he's like, Don't touch me and then they get up and run away. And then the party just continues like that's all normal. For them the party turns into a rager. Kids lined up on each side doing this punching motion <laughs> while while dancing while people sort of channel through the middle and then do their little do their dancing. Own, their own style, their own moves. Ben is obviously the main man. He's killing him. He's, he's got the funk. <laughs> and he's slamming it everywhere. And he's slamming that funk. Well, and at the same time, we've got parallel storylines happening because we have Nick and Sarah on their date, starts making out with him, and then he starts laughing. I was thinking about my kids. Yeah. When I kiss someone now, <laughs> I think of bedtime and pyjamas and putting my kids... like. What are you doing? Like, how to turn a woman off like that? Like, well done, mate. What is wrong with you? It Just is. keep it in your head. Just be like, oh, uh, I've not been on a date for a while, so I was a bit nervous. That would have done. That would have done, Nick. That would have been all right. But no, you had to go, you know, oh, I was thinking of my kids. How creepy is that? I mean, it's a nice sentiment. She likes it. He, She says she wants chocolate. He pulls out a Hershey's Kiss. She also is sort of new to the dating, or not new to dating, but she says, oh, drinks in one place, dinner in the next, somewhere else, you know, what? what's next? So she's maybe not been treated in this sort of chivalrous way that he is doing. Chivalrous. Can you say that word? Chivalrous. Come on, let's do it phonetically. Chivalrous. Chivalrous. Yeah. It just doesn't feel right, does it? Chevrolet! Chevrolet! <laughs> She's not been treated right before by yeah. Cruz. And um, she does make a comment really early on in the film that she doesn't have a boyfriend or anything like that because the right one hasn't come along. But Nick appears to be the right one. <laughs> oh, what a great kiss. Haha. <laughs> I was thinking about my children the whole time. What a weirdo. Who does that? Oh, that's an illness. <laughs> wait, wait, we also miss a little bit. Like every scene in this is momentous. So there's, <laughs> there's like they're playing mini golf. Oh, off the wall, yeah. Off the wall, and that's sort of like steps before the wee, and uh, and then he's saying, "What tie should I have?" And she's like, uh, "Why don't you wear the one with the the gold circles?" He's like, do you not think that's a bit too flashy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> but I don't look too flashy for the, the girl I'm taking on a date. That like I kiss and talk about my children. <laughs> <laughs> and they're playing some sort of video game that's like the whole wall. It's like, like starships and stuff. Yeah. And Angie beats him at everything, beats Ben at every game. Yeah. Absolutely. And then she calls him Loser Boy. Yeah. Computer Boy, Loser Boy. They're like raging in the party, dancing's happening, and then Angie, being the responsible one, and the voice of reason, and potentially the hero of this film, comes up to Ben and says, it's 10.24, and then in his little... She says it's 10.23. Or 10.23. And he says, so what? Pushes her out of the way. 
Thanks for the time. What about the weather? That's it. <laughs> to which she says... Dad said he'd be home at 10.30. What time is it? And she says, it's now... 10.24. you got to go, Cinderella, or something like that. <laughs> he chucks everybody out, and then he's like, oh, I'm dead. And then Pat says, scrape everything onto the floor, and uh, let me deal with it, which they do. Floor absorbers. But, 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 but. The goddess of the fifth grade, Gwen Petrini. <laughs> yes, in her cowboy motion that you just demonstrated, lassoes her silk cardi. <laughs> so what film have you made me watch? What have you done? Not... I'll never feel the same again about life. <laughs> She's left it there, so it's not on the floor, it's on the plant. It's on a plant, on top of a plant. It can't be absorbed. It can't be absorbed. And then the baitest thing is Nick comes in, Angie and uh, Ben, Angelic, on the sofa. Oh, we fell asleep watching something or other that, that Pat put on. Sorry we're not in our pyjamas yet. Nick is facing them. Ben sees over Nick's shoulder the silk shirt or whatever. Nick hasn't seen it at all. Yeah. He then looks at it like he's seen a ghost, his mother, and the... <laughs> oh, harsh. That's so harsh. Bereaved. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> Disney Channel presents. <laughs> and, but he looks at it such, just, so, just so obvious, and then uh, Nick turns around, and then that's it. Instead of just being like, oh, I had one person here, we had one girl here, or whatever, it's this is, This leads to Nick saying, disappointed with everyone, but mainly disappointed with Pat. You need to straighten up. You're meant to be a good influence. You're meant to be making my life easier. You're not meant to be, you know, part of the problem. Yeah, you need to be more grounded and focused. Yes. That's what he says. And then that leads to the AI on Pat kicking in a bit more and causing a little bit more trouble than, than what was expected. Well, now when we move into the next morning, Pat's asking Ben to pull up his shorts. He's trying to get out the door. He's getting electric shocked. Pull up your shorts, Ben. <laughs> and then, which, just do what everybody else would have done at that age. Pull them up. Go outside. Pull them <laughs> Absolutely. Don't argue with it. Just do it. Get out and change it. And then, you know... She can't touch you when you're outside the house. (laughs) (laughs) And the same with Angie. She's watching cartoons and it keeps getting flipped over to science. It's about amoebas. She's watching a cartoon and then it keeps getting flipped over to a a programme about amoebas. Single-cell amoebas, I seem to remember. And uh, she keeps trying to change the channel back to the cartoon. And and in the end she just goes, oh, fine, I'll go and read a book. And gives up and walks off, doesn't she? The same thing happens to Nick while he's working at home and he says, Pat, can you get Sarah on the line, please? Yeah. And she says, well, have you done enough work? You haven't even got the Anderson order out yet or whatever it is. And it's just like, it's fine, you know. I'll dial her myself and she blocks him from sort of doing all of that. And then he's sort of like, okay, you win this round. Well, I've got a little comment about him dialing. So he goes over to like, the, the pad or the phone on the table and dials dials quite a long significant number like, that's me tapping away and he seems to tap it for a while and a lot of beep 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 like bleeping the number 
And it doesn't ring. goes, no, you need to finish your work. And he goes, well, I'll just get my cell phone out and ring her. And then presses, like, the numbers. But presses about four buttons. And then he's already smashing on the phone. So, mm. is it speed dial? <laughs> is it is it some sort of... Is it just pretend numbering? I don't know what's happened there. I don't know. I'm I guessing it is pretend numbering. But even great, <laughs> we'll have to... We'll have to imagine that he's super keen and been like speed dial one <laughs> pow <laughs> we then get into a point of angie being sick we're well, not really sick but has a temperature having to stay in the bed and getting chicken soup etc etc and ben trying to read a comic in bed and the lights keep getting turned off by pat because it's like way past your bedtime time to go to sleep she's being that controlling really overbearing what you would see as a from all the shows that he'd inputted into the the program, the fifties mum in that household environment of turn your lights off, time to go to bed now, and like being quite controlling and and a bit difficult. But actually, it, it's almost getting more difficult now and harder for for them to live with it because she's becoming too overbearing and too controlling, too neurotic. Yeah. yeah. Sarah comes back round and says. Pat has been getting a lot of conflicting information. Maybe she needs just a good old-fashioned rest or night off. Seizing his moment as she's trapped in his house, Nick says, do you want to stay for dinner? And then they cook dinner the old-fashioned way or the current way (laughs) and uh, and make dinner themselves. They do. And this is where they start to get tense at the table because although when they're cooking, they kiss a couple of times. And Ben sees it. That's right. And he gets a bit upset by it. Nick says, has a taste of a tomato, and then they kiss. He says something like, or tastes good, tomato too. The tomato ain't that bad. He... <laughs> yeah, something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. Show me the honey. Something smooth. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so you're right. So Ben sees it, and the tension's building. But again, this is grounded in a way because he's rebelling against a new female figure in their lives that potentially in his eyes could be replacing his mother. So it is valid. And this is what I meant earlier where it's quite heartfelt in these ways in that, yes, there's a ludicrous plot going on, but the subplot is genuine. It's quite heartfelt, isn't it, as well? Completely. Ben is playing that difficult teenage role doesn't want Sarah to be there, doesn't want Nick to have any involvement with Sarah, thinks that Pat is enough for everyone uh, to look after them. They don't need anyone else in their life. He doesn't want his mum to be forgotten about. And he objects to something and gets up to leave. And Nick says, well, don't you want to stay for for cobbler? Peach cobbler, it's your favourite. That's why Sarah's made it for you. You know, because she knows you like it. Which is a really nice... Olive branch, not that she needs to. She's done nothing wrong, right? It's it's a it's a nice deed of to to bond over. Yeah, but could easily be misconstrued as well. That's what my mum made, and if you're already trying to take her place, which obviously Sarah is not doing, but you could see how to, not even just a thirteen year old to anyone that that could be a point of tension. Indeed. And that's when he says, I only like mum's one, or I, I don't want to eat that because, you know, mum used to make it and something like that. And, she, you know, you can't replace her kind of moment, isn't it? And he storms off upstairs. And then Nick's like, 
I'm not letting this go. I'm going to go after him. And this actually is probably the most heartfelt scene in, in the movie where Nick, paid, played by Kevin Kilner, as we said earlier, has brilliant line delivery on this one particular line where Ben's saying you broke a promise and he's like, what promise is that? Four years ago you said that no one would ever replace mum, so on and so forth. Nick is being very calm and saying, well, no one is going to replace your mum. You know, I can never love anyone like I love her and, and sort of saying all the right things. And then Ben sort of pushes him a little bit further and then Nick says, and his voice kind of breaks as he does it, which I think is what sort of makes it so powerful. It's just like, you're not the only one that lost somebody, Ben, which is such like a real line. But you could imagine that someone breaking and saying that in real life, where it's like, it's not just about you. You lost your mum, yes, but I lost my wife. Mm. And every time I hear that while I'm cleaning, it, it breaks me a little bit because it is the delivery and it feels like i said as much as it's a ludicrous film it has a really genuine and heartfelt interior yeah absolutely and it's it's that family dynamic that's the, the all important the automated house bit is just kind of the fun added extra isn't it and it's something a bit silly to to bring them close together so then we, we we've had that moment that that difficult Nick basically concedes that he won't go further with Sarah at this point. Yeah. Which on my most recent viewing to watch for this, actually watching rather than just listening, I, I'd never realised before, but he actually says, okay, you know, this is obviously stressing you, let's, you know, let's, let's leave it. And Pat interprets or uh, digests the information as, well, I'll be mother enough for everyone then. And creates a visual representation of herself. Yeah, like which is it. when we first see Katie Siegel turn up. Exactly, as this sort of three D rendered hologram, holographic thing. Because it's not, it's not solid. Because we see them sort of going through. Yeah, holographic hologram. She says you would know the difference between a like an artificial representation or a hologram. Right. I think she's like an artificial representation or something like that. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, she's like appeared and has developed enough hashtag Skynet to <laughs> to create an image of what she thinks is the right image in terms of housewife fifties kind of look as well because she's got the the dress on the apron on the yeah the hair is that particular style and she's got the the hair band and very sort of proper housewife kind of back in the day kind of look to it. Pleasant bill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then that's where it starts getting more and more awkward and controlling because Ben's the first one to see her. Yeah, he thinks that she's talking through the house or the however it is, speaker system or whatever, and then she's actually stood behind him. Yeah. Basically saying, you know, forget Sarah, I can be the mother for this family. Ben runs downstairs to Nick and Angie and Sarah who are still having dinner, probably enjoying a lovely peach cobbler. Absolutely. They're probably like, forget him, more for us. <laughs> he don't need any. Yeah. Ben says, she's, she's alive, she's alive. And Nick's like, well, you must be dreaming. And then very quickly, the turnaround is there she is. And then all hell breaks loose. She starts causing like an internal tornado starts getting as you said earlier sort of bigger sort of a bit like 
Jafar in Aladdin towards the end, you know, and it's sort of getting domineering, etc. They sort of like start having this debate of, well, she sort of locks the doors, locks the windows. The kids say, we need to go outside, we need fresh air. Well, I can give you synthetic air. Is the robotic arm to kick out Sarah. And then they become almost prisoners to Pat then. So Pat is in full control of the house. She puts like shutters on all the doors and windows that materialise. So obviously some sort of panic room-like safety feature (laughs) has appeared to prevent them from leaving because she thinks, I can take care of you, you can't leave. Uh, And that's when they try and convince her, oh, we need to leave, we need to be let out for this reason and that reason. And she's like, "Mm, you don't need any of that. I can provide everything for you. And that's when Sarah really kicks into gear of, we've got to get these people out. Well, this is like happening at night because they're having dinner, obviously. And then Sarah gets on the horn, on the old blower, to Tuttle. And as we said earlier, says, I need the schematics for the house. For the house? (laughs) (laughs) She needs some other things. And then he comes over and they're sort of trying to formulate a plan. Yeah, and all that time they're trying to escape, or at least try and get out, and they can't. Nick's trying to regain control of the house, and he can't. And Pat's, like, really taken over by this point. And they're all in the living room kind of like the kids are lying on the floor Nick's somewhere except for one point where Ben's in a bathtub with a laptop well that's after Butler is sent in isn't it right so Butler is sent in with a little message that then Nick like if a rat ran up to me I'd be like what the hell but Nick was so like Ben sorry was so like calm takes the little note of him reads him reads the little note that was attached to Butler and it says something like I'll never try to be anything more than a friend to you, Ben. Yeah. Innocently trying to diffuse the previous tension. Yeah. And then that's when he's then able to go and hide in the bathroom. I think he can get away with it in the bathroom because earlier on in the film he questions Mm. whether he's always being watched, like even when he goes to the bathroom and stuff like that. And she says, no, Pat, you know, isn't watching you and stuff like that. It's this, that, and the other. So maybe it's the bathroom is the safest place to go. So that's why he can hide in there and laptop it and kind of connect with Sarah while she's outside trying to help him out. That's actually brilliant foreshadowing. <laughs> that's that's tidy writing right there. <laughs> well done. To, to pepper that in at the beginning and then have that pay off. Because I didn't even connect those dots. The next time I watch this film, it's going to be like watching it for the first time. <laughs> that's going to be so different for you. <laughs> and by watch, I mean listen. So. <laughs> So, yeah, okay, so then Ben is in in the empty bathtub on the laptop with his Mission Impossible light on, sort of messaging back and forth, formulating this plan. Yes. Ben then goes out to where Angie and Nick have, like, sort of sleeping in sleeping bags, or sort of in the living room, I'm I'm assuming, and then starts faking that he's having appendicitis. That's right, yeah, he starts pretending to be in a lot of pain, doesn't he? Nick's like, but your appendix is at the front. Yeah, or the back or somewhere, yeah. Yeah, this is your bit, because he's going, oh, oh, like that, holding his back, saying, I'm in pain, I think I'm having appendicitis, my, my appendix, my appendix. And Nick says, your appendix is at the front. He's like, yes, and it hurts, and he's just like signaling <laughs> to his dad. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it, yeah, yeah, true, yeah, fine. But then, while that's happening, time is moving on, and it's like daytime, getting to daytime now. Yeah, because it was when the newspaper comes yeah. and then the arm comes out, Sarah then 
I'm going to say at risk, sort of jumps through the hole, but as she knows, she built the house. She knows the time. designed it. Yeah, and she knows what's on the other side of that vent or whatever, whatever. I, I'd actually read somewhere that uh, in the very first scene, right at the beginning of the film, when the kid throws the paper and it picks up the the paper with the, the arm and pulls it in, that the slot the arm comes from is no bigger than the, like a letterbox. And then later on, when she jumps through it, it's obviously Sarah-sized because she just fits straight into it with the arm still sticking out of it. That's actually a bit of a silly mistake because they would have known before starting filming what, where the end was going to be and that that was going to happen. But yeah. at the same time, they probably didn't think anyone was going to watch it with this much scrutiny. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would say is no scrutiny because I love this film. Let's not get it <laughs> twisted. We'll get to our ratings at the end. So Sarah jumps in and then... So what was the point of the appendicitis then? It was to create enough of a distraction for her to get in. Right, so it was like... Without Pat really knowing... Right, right, right. she'd made it in. Okay. Because she's all aware. Right. But if she's focused solely on the child who's hurt because their main focus will be making better or or help him that then Sarah can sneak into the house unnoticed right but then she becomes noticed because she laser cuts Uh, the lock off the door doesn't she that's it to get in and then it's like intruder alert and then it all like kicks off a bit Right, and then this is where we get the internal tornado and Pat sort of kicking off and getting bigger and and this is where Ben's saying, look, when you was going crazy, Dad and Sarah were like covering us and protecting us, but you'll never be able to do that. And she sort of tries to touch him and it sort of just goes through. This is when she sort of starts to realise and she sort of shrinks back down to regular size. This is the point where I think Ben hasn't actually fully admitted what he's done in terms of changing the safety protocols and uploading a load of this stuff to her AI, to Pat's AI. But it's kind of hinted at because Sarah's then in the computer room reinstalling. <laughs> what? Just <laughs> laughing. How much of a serious conversation? It's super serious. This is it. so serious. You was on a really good run. So sorry. Okay. Go again. Sorry. sorry. Sarah's then in the computer room reprogramming and reinstalling the safety protocols to make sure that obviously something like this doesn't happen again. And Nick makes a comment to Ben. I can't remember the exact phrasing about what he'd done. Mm, You've got to be of, more careful next time. Or, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's like, let's not play around with things that we don't fully understand kind of moment, isn't it? Then they have a little like hug, so like a good father-son moment. And then Angie's there and Sarah's there. And it's kind of just like a nice close to the film, isn't it? Like, well, that, well, that sort of then close closes. Close to that, that, the error anyway. So they fixed the problem. And then it goes into the next day or next week or, or whenever and you've got Ben playing basketball outside and Pat saying hey why don't you use a bit more of your left hand that'll be a better shot or whatever and he does it it's turned 20 degrees to one way and put, apply a slight more pressure on yeah on one of your hands and it will go in and he does it and it goes in it's Which like thanks good. Pat I'll do that every time yeah but it's nice it's more of a, a gen- gentle advice rather than you know, keeping you prisoner. Then Sarah pulls up in the convertible and is saying, hey, your dad invited me for breakfast. To which Ben says, let's go inside and see what he's whipping up. 
and then Angie sat at the table and they're make he's making pancakes or waffles, I think. I think it's waffles. It's waffles. Puts it down and Angie's like, Oh, I didn't know there were chocolate chips in here. So I didn't put chocolate chips in here. And Angie's like, Well, I didn't do it. Well your brother was outside, so who could have done it? Oh, I think I know who had done it, and then it sort of zooms over to Pat's face on a on like a screen to show that she's still got personality and still cares. And that wraps it up. And that is the whole film. Is the, the film is less than a, a football match. It's shorter than a football match. How long did you say it was? 78 minutes? I think it's like 83 minutes total running time. If we were to look at it as a whole, I think the character arcs, as we said at the beginning, are pretty full for Ben and Nick. They both learn valuable lessons. Angie is solid throughout. She's so consistent. <laughs> she is. She's just great from the beginning. Sarah is good. Let's look at the judgments then. Who do you think is the best performer? So out of the actors that are in the film, who, who stands out to, to you, for you? The guy that plays Ben does a really good job, because like I said, I, I wanted to be him. But I'd have to give it to Kevin Kilner, particularly for that scene of, we're not the only one that lost someone, Ben, because it really gets me every time. So that's who I'd say. Who would you say? I think you're right with Ben. I think he's quite solid throughout, isn't he, in terms of how he comes across. He's quite funny, he's quite entertaining, he gets quite serious, so he plays a lot of different emotions. Angie is exactly the same all the way through, so I kind of wouldn't include her as, as any of the best performers. Although she's good, um, she's not like up there. So yeah, it's, it's a tie, I think, between the characters Ben and Nick. So uh, yeah, Kevin Kilner and, and Ryan Merriman have both done very, you know, portrayed it quite well for the film that it is. Well, who would you pick if you had to pick one? I'm going to pick Ryan, Ryan Merriman. I'm going to pick Ben. Nice. So we can have we'll, both of them now. Yeah, we got one each. <laughs> nice. Let's talk about the secondary cast. There's not actually a massive amount of secondary cast, but there's enough in there to discuss them. So who is your favourite sort of character, someone that stands out to you that isn't the main little family slash Sarah or Pat? I'm going to say someone because that we didn't mention throughout the whole podcast that we mentioned before, but the dog, who's, the dog. Called, who's called Mutt. The dog! The dog is so important. The poor, the poor dog. Who names their dog Mutt? I know, what a name. So I'm going to say Mutt because I feel like he got, he got a short straw there, that he was solid throughout. Or also his friends were good. Yeah, his his two his two little mates. Yeah, were quite good. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give my nomination to Gwen Petroni. I think the goddess of the fifth grade. He, she's got a nickname. She's liked by everyone. She stands up for Ben. Mm. Um, she goes to the party. She says she likes him. She changes his outlook on on absolutely everything because he realizes he actually is quite cool. She kisses him. She kisses him as well. <laughs> Date number one. <laughs> What was your what's your favorite scene from the film? I, I'm guessing your favorite scene is the bit where Nick gets a bit choked up. Yeah, I mean that that's probably the best scene I'd say that holds weight of emotion. But I wouldn't say it's my best scene. As in, it's not like a nice scene to watch. You know, it's because it's is the more painful part. So I'd say my favorite scene is probably the him getting the girls the snacks. These girls are starving. <laughs> 
Show me the honey. Show me the honey. Just, it's so perfectly 90s, and it's so, it's confidence that no 13-year-old has, Mm. and smoothness that no 13, yet alone any adult has, but you would have watched it in the 90s and thought, that is who I am now. And I'm pretty sure if I, I would have tried to have dressed like that kid, I would have tried to have been that kid. I probably would have been tried to have said that at school and got punched. Like, there was like... <laughs> yeah, so I'd probably say that scene. What, what about you? I really like the two moments of random bits of music, just for the silliness of it. So the, the Bewitched, when Angie's dancing around, like jumping on a bed to Bewitched, he walks in and is like, oh, that's a bit sad, isn't it? Let's turn that off. And he sort of stops it. And then his go-to bit of music is five. <laughs> Not go-to. He knows the whole dance, it as is. does his two friends. Absolutely. And they both join in. But both in, in, in Disney style, they're very good dancers. All of them. They just they just crack it out and they know what they're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no stretching, just straight into the main straight, event. Straight in. Let's just go for it. Best scene though, I think. Uh, well, they're they're quite funny, funny little scenes. Like, I I did enjoy that. But I actually think the 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 best scene is the one where Nick gets choked up. I think that's the the most sort of poignant turn in the whole film. And it's quite pivotal to have that dad kind of saying, "Look, enough is enough." You know, I know you've done all these things and you've been quite grown up, but you need to stop being a child now, like stop being like harsh and horrible to to Sarah and. You know, I'm hurting too. And your sister is as well. Although she doesn't seem to be. But, you know, it's time to start living our lives a bit. And yes, we will miss the mum. And yes, we will miss, you know, her peach cobbler. (laughs) (laughs) But there are other desserts, Ben. (laughs) That is definitely a euphemism from Nick's angle. Oh my God. Oh, God. Uh, uh, I think what? that's the most important scene. <laughs> <laughs> You're, it's the whole undertone of the film, and like we've said a few times, is there's all this craziness happening, but this is the sincerity of it. Are there any parts of the film you don't like? No, I I, I love it all. <laughs> I can't lie that every single part of it is brilliant to me. There's not. There's not even a single line. Like, there's usually in films, there'll be something that, especially in 90s films, that will now be offensive in some ways, not even just to our sort of 2020 more evolved political correctness, etc. But there's usually something that's just outdated and racist or homophobic or whatever. And obviously, I'm not expecting that to be in a Disney film, but maybe sexism, you know, I think I can't really see any of it. Yeah, there wasn't really any of that at all, which is good. Mm. And, you know, it's late 90s, so you, I suppose you wouldn't expect to see it, even though it creeps in, doesn't it? It still has its moments in, in films from that era. Completely. There's So when I was I was cleaning at the weekend, and I was listening to God's... <laughs> I really tried to contain that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was cleaning at the weekend and I was listening to God. <laughs> I was listening to God in sixty seconds. <laughs> and there was a moment in there where I was just like, there was like a homophobic line. And I was like, that it doesn't sit right 
in my ear for one but two it's like that definitely would not happen now like that wouldn't it's sort of it's not even said in a horrible way if we ever cover that in this podcast that film it's another one that could talk about for a long time though that's actually came out in 2000 so it's outside of our decade but but yeah so it, it can sort of pop up in in films i guess but this one's completely safe of all of that so with all that in mind what rating would you give it out of 10 how is this film for you it obviously holds you know it's obviously close to your heart. It's quite a special film to you. So I imagine it's going to get a good rating now. Well, the thing is, is that there's two ways to look at it. There's one of looking at it from a film... Well, not to say I'm a film connoisseur by, by any means, but, you know, I, I enjoy serious films as well. And, and so if you was to look at it from that perspective, obviously you wouldn't mark it very high. And 6.3 that it gets on IMDb is, is probably, you know, incredibly fair or or kind. But to me, it's 10. It can't <laughs> be. Because it's perfect. It, it sums up everything from the 90s that I love. Obviously, it's not like an amazing, brilliant, Oscar-winning film or anything, but it... I can listen to it on repeat while cleaning and cleaning is not a you know, massively enjoyable task in, in the best of cases and it helps get me through. So it's like a security blanket to me. So for that reason, I'd have to give it a 10. I assume it's probably different for you because you didn't sort of, you know, grow up loving this. Yeah, it's very different for me, unfortunately. So I <laughs> don't look so terrified. I'm actually going to give it five and a half. Okay, that's, that's right. I'm gonna go, but I I am going based on the film that it is, and there's a lot of great films from the era that we're talking about, uh, and this is one that passed me by as well. Missed uh, that I completely missed, but watching it for what it is now, I think even watching it for what it is then, I would have still thought, well, what's really going on? Sort of thing. What is there. wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> the well, I mean, that's the thing. It's very hard to detach emotion from films that, yeah. that you have nostalgic value to and there's loads of films and loads that I mentioned at the top of the podcast of films that are downloaded that I listen to the audio of that it's more that they just remind me of you know sort of happy childhood times and I sort of know them word for word and it's almost like transports you to that period so it's not necessarily you know it because I think it's amazing filmmaking just holds that place with me and there's going to be films that we would have watched together as well that will make me think of that time when we were younger and we've we've watched that film and it's either something silly or something serious or scary and it will make me think about the situation that we were in at that time in terms of uh, your dad coming in at midnight telling us to be quiet or you know telling us off even though we tried to hide it or we, <laughs> we, we thought we were being clever by pretending to be asleep and things like that or trying to melt things under lamps and things absolutely yeah <laughs> for each episode of the Mighty 90s movie and TV podcast one of us does a deep dive on whatever movie or TV show that we are examining on that episode and at the end of each episode the person that did the deep dive will then choose for the other person what they will deep dive on the next episode so on this episode dom you did the deep dive into smart house so we let me know and our audience know what i will be deep diving for our next episode the film i've picked for you uh, to deep dive into is a film that i love 
it's actually probably my favourite film of, of all time. Wow, okay. This is, this is a big film for me. And I know this film inside and out, back to front. In fact, when I had the video, I watched it so much that the video went fuzzy because I actually wore the tape out. Wow. That's how much I really like this film. Do, do you know if I've seen it? No. Have we watched it together? No. Oh. So I don't know if you've seen it. I don't even know if you like this type of film, which, you know, in, in terms of... Types of film that we talk about. This is a genre we never talk about. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> the film I would like you to deep dive into is Saving Private Ryan. Ooh. 1998. Pow. Right in there. Okay. I have seen Saving Private Ryan. Never all the way through. I've seen it in parts. What's funny is a big part I saw was at your house oh. when your brother was watching it and... You and I came in, this was this was sort of towards the end before we sort of, not that we lost contact, but before we sort of had a bit, went, you know, sort of different directions in different schools and whatever. And so I remember seeing like bits of it and being like, wow, this is real. <laughs> People were just being blown apart right here. Yeah. Um, and then I've always sort of seen the, I've seen the beach entry bit, you know, the infamous scene. Um, and that's also been in um was in one of the very first call of duties i think they yeah i sort of known that but i don't think i've ever seen it all the way through so this will be good yeah obviously i i know it's revered as an amazing film that how long is it just over two hours oh it's not long no. like as in that's standard film standard, standard film length yeah sort of had it in my mind it was like a Matt Damon's in it, isn't he? He is. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Well, then let's do it. Saving Private Ryan will be our next episode. (laughs) From Smart House to Saving Private Ryan. I like it. Cool. Well, that will be the next episode of the podcast. We've answered one of these questions already. Would you watch it again? Yes, you said you would. But if you was with me and we were drinking beers, all right? I I would quite like to watch it with you. I think it would be hilarious. Okay, we'll do that. Well, uh, any final thoughts or anything else to add? Thank you for listening and please listen to the next one. Exactly that. Please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast anywhere that you get podcasts and we will see you next time.